And I'm Karen Wright. Joining me now at 934 is our good friend, Master Gardener, Barb Lampson, talking gardening. And we're going to talk some bugs and pests oh, because yes. you and I both have been uh, kind of dealing with the battle. Remember, it was a couple weeks ago when I called you on the phone and I said, Barb, I said, we're I at, have. <laughs> I said, I said, no, I didn't. I said, Barb, we're at war. And you said, who is this? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I was I was absolutely surprised, but you already had Japanese beetles. I think July, yeah, it was just on the week of, weekend of the 4th of July I it saw was, my first yeah. one. And now they are everywhere, and you're having the same problem, and a I lot am. of other people are too. I've been picking them off like crazy. I'll take my hand, and I'll grab them, and I'll plunge them into right. a pail of soapy water. Right. And, of course, they drown, but then there's more to replace them. On my garden in my gardens they're liking the the beans i've got pole beans and i've got those runner beans that are supposed to be you know for ornamental mm-hmm. purposes mainly and they are just uh chomping those up right and, yeah well, it, it, you know um uh, first of all let me just say this if you've never heard of japanese beetles um they have been working their way into our area for some time now invasive it, species yes exactly mm-hmm. and they're only going to get worse because the weather favors them it's warming up we have mild winters and they overwinter in the ground we do have the most wonderful handout from the extension office if japanese beetles in yards and gardens if you know call them up or go online you can get this you can download that there yourself but this japanese beetle is something to do war with because they are so tricky and they have so many devices to survive. So if they go on your leaves and they start chomping your leaves, they uh, excrete a substance. A pheromone of some sort. Which attracts other beetles. So (laughs) not only do you have to pick the beetle off, but you have to pick off that leaf that they've been on as well. I didn't realize that. It it remains Uh. on the leaf. So when you see chewing in that, and if uh, one of the things that they do is they they skeletonize the the leaf itself. So the leaf has got, you know, a structure, those veins, and they go in between there. And so when you see that, you know that you got these these guys, and you got to get uh, rid of that leaf too. Barb, I'm worried that I won't have any leaves left <laughs> for my <laughs> green beans because they have been skeletonizing, and I've just been taking them off. I haven't actually removed the leaves, but I do will the need leaves. to do that. Yes. And now you said you've you've got them on your hardy hibiscus. The only time I've seen them on my hardy hibiscus, not yet, is when they start to bloom, and then they just wreck those blooms. Yeah. They just chew holes, and they look terrible. Well, the foliage on the hibiscus is so thick and there's so much and I have these extra stalks that are coming up Mm -hmm. which you always welcome and yesterday early in the morning I was out there looking and there they were on the leaves just you know just as proud as could be and so uh, I I picked them all off I squashed them I took the leaves I got it all bagged up and ready to go to third avenue or I'm gonna get rid of it because you you don't want to keep getting in your compost pile or any other place in your yard because they're attracted to that yeah Yeah, exactly that that is so true now as far as the adult Japanese beetle damage it usually only affects the appearance of plants it says that you know healthy mature trees and shrubs can tolerate a lot of feeding without significant long-term injury but the young or unhealthy plants maybe stunted, injured, or even killed from the severe and persistent feeding. And, you know, last year I had a lot of my little crab apple tree. It's, it's, we call it the wedding tree because it's just a beautiful little ball on top. And that was just 
inundated with Japanese beetles, oh. and and a bunch of the branches did not come back this year. Sure. So I think it sure. just stunted them because they damaged so much. And you know the other thing is, um, if a plant is stressed because it's not getting enough moisture or it's getting too much moisture, you have really heavy soil, and then these roots are sitting in water. Then you add another dimension to this thing. Then you may have damage, or you may have parts of it might be damaged. So so think about that too. So scout. Get out there early in the morning or late at night because they're more sluggish at those times and you can latch on to them and get rid of them. And, you know, it says this is maybe a good thing or a bad thing. Remember the year that we had all the, uh, was it the cicadas? And it seemed like there were so <laughs> many and they talked about they were the 17-year cicada that they had a, yep. a cycle or something. It says Japanese beetles can be very abundant in some years and less in others. Uh, it says they're, they're not the end of the world. There are many ways to deal with them. In most cases, Japanese beetle damage is cosmetic only and will not kill plants. So that's the good news. But I also know they, they lay um, they lay uh, their eggs in the soil yes. and they turn into little grubs. So sometimes you can treat in the early spring. Um, the to, soil? Yeah, because they can yeah. damage your, your lawn as well. Sure. Uh, and They eat the roots of the grass. Yes. So if you have spots in your lawn that are turning brown and you just grab a hole of that spot and lift it up and it comes right out, that means you had some of these Japanese beetles that wintered over there, laid their eggs, and those um, grubs are white and they're kind of C-shaped. So any oh, Are they? I wonder if I thought they were cutworms maybe instead. Yeah. Do they look similar, do you know? Well, we have a picture here, Let me which, see. Show which me and then isn't maybe. the best picture because it's they they go through three different stages of development. Oh, you know what? I bet those are the things that I saw that I thought were something else. So they were probably a Japanese beetle. Was. Yep. But I have a neighbor who walked by and we were talking about Japanese beetles. And this spring he applied milky spore bacteria. They used to call it uh, Bacillus papillae, I think. But mm -hmm. uh, And that uh, is supposed to get rid of the Japanese beetle grubs in the lawn and have no effect on beneficial organisms. And it says, although these bacteria or occur naturally in the soil, they uh, and may infect a small percentage of the grub population. Applying commercial milky spore products has uh, says has not been shown to provide any benefit in the modern university research trial. But this neighbor is trying it mm -hmm. to see if it will help. So he's going to report to me at the end of this season to say, right? You know, will this right. benefit? Well, I was talking to my son in Alaska, and I was telling him what a problem I was having with that sawfly, which is a a, um, a caterpillar type worm, and it's green. And he said that the thing that's safe, he said, is made by Safer, S-A-F-E-R. What is it? It's um, it, it's a, a soap, insecticidal soap, with uh, Bacillus thuringiensis in it. Is that a... a that's BT, and that's organic. And so, um, and then I thought, well, it, it will kill any type of a caterpillar, but we don't have to worry about the monarch, because the monarch only lays their eggs on the right. the milkweed. Sure. So you would never, if you see anything on milkweeds, I mean, just don't go spraying anything on there. So I have, I have, um, I found it online, and I have ordered some, and we'll see um, uh, how effective that is. But speaking of, of Alaska, uh, where my son is, they have such marginal soil, and they have permafrost, and they have mountains surrounding them where the soil is thin. And for the last six weeks, they have not had even a sprinkling of rain, absolutely Ooh. no rain. And they've had forest fires. And the forest fires are so bad that my son said, even when you're out in the Gulf of Alaska, you can't escape the smoke. Wow. It's terrible. So we have weather conditions, changing weather 
patterns all across the 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 area and and it's not so much the heat because you know we know that there's the heat coming but it's the the more severe events like i mean for instance this week i think it was monday night when we got four inches of rain right. and then we got another you know inch and a half and last night we got another inch so it's it's uh your your the patterns like you said are changing sure. and you're just getting more severe events and causing flooding and more droughts and things like and, that and wind and on Wednesday night uh, actually Thursday morning early at one thirty a.m. our electricity went off and we had this large two cracks of thunder as a matter of fact the little puppies were so scared <laughs> they huddled together they were afraid and then we looked outside and the white um, utility truck was there and they were walking behind the houses and apparently some limbs went over the uh, high line wires and we were we lost our electricity and it was out till 5.30 in the morning which you know the house stayed cool but we started worrying because it was raining so hard about our sump pumps and that's something to think about too what do we do when we have this large amount of rain and we're dependent on some pumps and the electro electricity goes out as well so you know uh, the weather is changing and we have to adjust our lifestyle and 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 uh, take a look at uh, water patterns in our yard you know where we never had water standing in the back of our yard now we do yes. and it's it's due to my own gardening and raising up the the gardens and sure. changing the mm -hmm. the lay of the land which I never should have done and now we need to put in some tiling in that to take care of that but uh, weather's changing. There was an excellent conference over at St. Peter at Gustavus this week. And, and the headline, if you haven't read it yet, in today's paper, it talks about uh, what they reported. And they said the headline is Minnesota climate, wetter, warmer, and crazier. And they compared yep. our climate in the future to that of, of uh, Kansas and Nebraska. And quite frankly, that's too warm for me. So that would have uh, a great effect on trees, especially the boreal forests in the northern Minnesota that depend on a short growing season and cold weather. And that's how they survive and outgrow the rest of them. So um, we have to do everything we can to reduce our, uh, our carbon uh, footprint. And uh, there's something for each of us to do. Uh, the one thing I got from this article was uh, don't give up and say it's, you know, there's nothing we can do. There's lots of things we can do, and we have to keep working on that all the time. So I wanted to, um, uh, something I read in the free press this morning, uh, you know, tonight is Relay for Life at Sibley Park, and there is an, uh, a little bleep in the free press. They have changed the starting time from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Okay, because of the heat index. The, yes, exactly. So it, please go. It's such a worthwhile project. Um, it, it, the luminaries are outstanding, and if you know someone who's had cancer and they've survived, you know, go and celebrate them. They'll probably be walking um, tonight. So uh, keep that in mind. And then um, I read such an interesting editorial from a gentleman in the Free Press who said that uh, the North Mankato Farmer's Market doesn't get a lot of publicity. I do talk about it on my show sometimes. And that's good. And, you know, I'm definitely guilty of not thinking about that. But uh, at Messiah Lutheran... On Mondays, 3.30, is it 3 to 6 or 3? 3? 3.30 to 6.30 yep. on Mondays. That's on the corner of Lee and Luray Drive. And uh, this gentleman 
uh, had an interesting article because he talked about this is not just a farmer's market. This is a place where they have activities for children. Uh, that certain days they schedule the blood mobile. They do community service things as well. So Mondays, I mean, that's a great thing. If you didn't get to the farmer's market on the weekend, why not put that on your calendar that they're available and see what they're bringing to the market. And it's actually at the, the parking lot where I go to church is Messiah Lutheran. So it's sure. just up on that corner on the hill. It's a big parking lot. So 3.30 to 6.30 Mondays, check it out. And are they there regardless of rain or shine? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And so tomorrow, Saturday, uh, the Master Gardeners are going to be at the Mankato Farmer's Market at 8.30 a.m. And we're going to be a demonstration. We're going to be doing a demonstration on how to plant uh, iris. Now, and is that the is that the one that's at Best Buy parking lot yes, in Mankato? Okay. Yes, so. that's that's where that's at. And what we're going to do is we're going to, this is just a little mini class where you come and we'll go through these and we'll give you some handouts and then we'll give you uh, free Free plants, iris. free plants. Okay. And let me tell you who's who's providing these plants. Diane Selly, who writes for the Free Press and we have visited her garden and her iris are just outstanding so if you can get a free iris from there and grow that you're gonna love it i fell in love with this one i don't remember what she said the name of it is we have one variety and that's the one we'll be giving out and it is cream and peach colored well i wanted to say you know you talk about doing something with plants now because people say well it's the middle of summer why would you do that and this is the time though for Dividing your iris. So chat a little bit about that because a lot of people would think like, well, this is crazy. It's the middle of summer. And it's hot and it's not a good time. But But iris have a rhizome and this is when they normally, they just, they just go dormant. They've done their big thing. And, and so now a few years were overcrowded. If you had uh, more leaves than you had blooms, (laughs) it's time to bite the bullet, dig them up, use a f- spading fork, dig them dig them up. And remember, it's the root that comes down from the rhizome. That's what you want to save. That's that's this hairy root that comes down and that's the part that goes underground and the rhizome, which is a woody type thing. That goes across kind of the ground, isn't it? It stays above mm-hmm. ground, yeah. And then you pull the roots down and you firm up your soil around them. So Bar, as Barb mentioned, there will be master gardeners at the farmer's market right. demonstrating how to do that because it's hard sometimes to picture when we're just talking about it on the radio, right. but then you get a free one as well right. in your garden. So where will you be located? Do you know? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but we have a tarp. I'll have my bright yellow <laughs> and Master red Gardner. Master Gardener shirt on. And so if you see these smiling women, um, that that's us. Right, right. So I take it Harvey's not going to be there? No, he is not. So it's two. <laughs> there'll be the women then. Okay, yeah, it is. Time. It is. <laughs> it is the women, uh, and that's what I heard anyway. So, yep. So, and the other thing about that is, if you have any question, other questions about, uh, you know, planting or or the Japanese beetles or you know, we've talked about garlic mustard, those types of things. Uh, it's a good place to go and get information. We shouldn't just think about going to a farmer's market as some place where you go and buy something. It's a good place to get information, and you know, the people that are bringing in products boy they're the experts they they they're making a living doing this and they have to know how to do it and they've they've seen a lot of different circumstances well the thing i like about it is you can ask what you know what they put on it did they use chemicals did they you know did they grow it organically etc so you can really know what you're getting i think that's an important part versus just grabbing into a store you don't know where it's been that's true you know last week we had a question from a 
um, a gentleman or an email in town here listens to the program, and he talked about deer coming up, and he was going to put up a fence. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Wednesday, or Thursday, uh, at 1.30 a.m., when the thunder was booming (laughs) and the lightning was just, you know, flashing all over the place and it was raining, we had four deer up in our neighborhood, and they <laughs> went over to my neighbors, and they ate his beautiful impatience. Oh. He takes such pride in these, and they also ate his squash, the <gasps> vines, and the whole business. And those ate. are prickly, though. That surprises me uh, sometimes. For, yeah. Who knows what a, scar- what, a, what a deer will eat? Well, I told you they've eaten Grant's. You know, he has his 4-H project, his lily garden. They have chomped all those, and I had planted brand new roses in yes. that this year. They've chomped those, and I'm just... I'm just sick about it because, you know, you spend all that money, you put all that love in, and sometimes you just have to say, well, I guess I'm planting this one for the deer. Well, you know, and the thing (laughs) is, the the deer also came to my front yard, and I was very glad that they passed up uh, the hibiscus that that the Japanese beetles love. Well, there are certain plants that that they aren't as likely to eat, but as we've seen, that sometimes if they're hungry, they'll eat whatever. Sure. So, but but they ate, um, it's called Sylvester's anemone. Oh, the anemones, okay. Yeah, they ate they ate those right down to the root, and um, they also took some hostas, and and they ate those off. Uh, in uh, and I just thought, okay, um, hostas maybe are on my list to be uh, thinned down even more. Uh, I get slugs there now. Mm-hmm. If I've got deer that want to eat them, I, I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, right. Well, now I just we got a uh, text from someone, Rich from Mankato, talking about. Uh, and I did see this. Uh, Channel 11, Care 11, just had an, a, a story about geraniums, the secret to fighting Japanese beetle. And I did hear about this, and one year I did try this. I don't think I did it correctly, though. They talk about these zonal geraniums, which um, are a specific type of geranium. Yeah, they are, and they're the smaller ones. And yes. You usually buy so them. So they're not the big, beautiful No, ones. they're quite reasonable. And yeah. I've always thought of them as seed geraniums, you yeah, know, yeah, where they start them for seed in the spring. And, yeah. And, the, well, according to the, the uh, CARE 11 story, they talked about as far as the back as the 1920s that scientists discovered that when a Japanese beetle eats either the leaf or the flower of a zonal geranium, they become immobile for up to 24 hours. And during this time, partial paralysis of the bugs lie on their backs with twitching legs making them susceptible to being eaten by predators like birds and if it happens at a sunny spot they're also prone to death by dehydration so and what i did i did that one year and i had heard that white ones attract the the um Japanese beetles. So I planted several right by my hibiscus where they were. Well, that mm-hmm. was my big mistake. They preferred the hibiscus, so they went the, to the hibiscus. So it says the key is to plant them in the sun away from your other plants and flowers that oh. the Japanese beetles love. So that was my mistake. And I was like, well, this yeah. didn't work. Yeah. Uh, it says they love more than 300 varieties of flowers and other plants. So yeah, they're not picky. They'll eat most of anything. It says that way you have at least a chance that they will focus on the sacrificed geraniums rather than your perennials or other annual favorites. It says there is a current research happening across the country surrounding the idea of turning this knowledge into a widespread way to control Japanese beetles. And they say, in our eyes, that science can't develop fast enough. Right. So that is what they said. And, you know, you, you got to hope that they could take the, the whatever it is that the, uh, there must be some kind of a toxin in that right. uh, geranium. They could harvest that and, use and it become somehow. an oil, and we could put that on other things. I don't know? know about you, but I, I, like I said, I didn't think the zonal 
uh, geraniums are very pretty. So no. it's not something I would choose to have in my garden. Right. So, and I'm thinking, where would I put it? Because I've got so many others. So, I mean, that's something maybe you have to plan ahead for next year. Sure. So, do you know uh, calendula, which is a plant, which some people know it as pot marigold? Right. We have that. Mm-hmm. So when the deer were up on their raid... In the early mornings. They didn't eat those, did they? They did. Oh they actually did eat them, cool. leaves and blooms and the whole thing. So I don't know if the weather made them crazy and they just went out and gobbled up a bunch of things. But just think how lush those ravines are. Why are they in our gardens? Maybe they're there too. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't been down there to look. But Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know either. Well, you know, Jeff has been spraying the, the deer rid stuff on. And when he sprays it, they seem to keep away. But then when they wash off and we don't get to it, they come back. It, it always rains. I so mean, it keeps washing Yeah. Off. So right yeah. now it's been really yeah, hard. Yeah, 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 that's true. And yeah. I found a slug three feet off the ground on my beans. I couldn't believe it. I think it's too wet even in the ground for some slugs because they need that moisture. So, uh, you know, I told you I found them up in the cherry tree. Yeah. And and I couldn't believe it either, but there they were. So here's what I, I've learned. I have a new tool. Have you ever heard of a reciprocating saw? Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's easy. You just to, cut down the tree. <laughs> I cut down the big branches, I, I'm, uh, uh, and I'm, I'm reshaping that thing. Say, that's kind of drastic, Barb, to cut down. <laughs> I know it is, but here's the thing. I am so tired of bugs, and I'm so tired of, you know, you improve your soil and improve your soil, and you know what you get? You get lots of foliage, and you get you get wonderful cherries, and then you're battling the birds and the slugs and the insects. So I'm thinning out. I'm harvesting sunlight and good air circulation so that I got lots of air blowing through things, and maybe with all these high winds, some of these things will blow off. So so your cherry tree, you just basically thinned them out by pruning the tree. <laughs> I have. I have about a half a truckload of stuff to go again to the to Third Avenue. It's 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 unbelievable. And when I was, I have this, uh, another shrub, and I was crawling around underneath it, and I had so many little trees coming under that shrub. If I hadn't been on my hands and knees crawling underneath it and yanking them out, who knows? I mean, it would have been a terrible mess. And I think that uh, that's a box elder, the, the, the seeds that are coming in from the ravine. Mm. And uh, just, just you know, the soil is so wet, and these things, they just... They're, they're sprouting. Yeah, even though they don't and have the sunlight, heat. you know. Yeah. Uh, but they are. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And, Carl, if you've never used a reciprocating saw, that's a pretty good thing. It's, it's battery-operated. And I tell you what, I could prune all day long, I think, using something like that. See, that's why I'm the rogue pruner, just like me. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyway, and, and I've been harvesting some vegetables and things now, too. The, the peas are, some of them, the peas are <clears throat> almost to the end of their season, right. in a way, because it's getting so hot, but they've, you know, slowed down in a little bit. Yeah, you know, last night, I uh, my neighbor brought me some green beans, because mine aren't ready yet. Mine aren't either. And I took my green beans and my peas in the uh, the ones that are the, um, the snow crop ones, the ones that are real thin, right. and I steamed them together. And then I fried some onions and mushrooms and put in a little butter, and I mixed that with them. I had a whole plate of that for supper. It was so good. good. Again, I thought, this is like eating sunshine. You know, this <laughs> is so good, all these vitamins and that. But peas and beans mixed together, it's if you good. haven't tried that. And if you have, get a steamer and steam. Don't let any water get on any of these waste, vegetables. Yeah, you waste the nutrients that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you sure do. Now, my tomatoes are not ripe yet. Yours are. And... Uh, only sporadically. Oh, okay. So I get... 
two and three, and we're talking about these little. I'm going to uh, the grape, Valentine. They're kind of like little grape. The Valentine. Size. Yeah. Is that the yeah variety? the Valentine variety? Valentine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call them sweetheart because they are so good. They're just you pop them in your mouth and you just want to chew and chew and chew and Ooh, keep saving that flavor. They, I can't they're wait. good. They're they're. It's like nature took all the flavorings that you love about tomatoes and intensified it in this one little berry, which is just. Like eating a chocolate. You know, I planted a lot of cilantro this year because I do like cilantro. And I do it, too. And you got to get it before it ripens because it goes to seed and then yes. it turns into those seeds are called coriander. Yes. Well, I want I want the cilantro part. So I just chopped off the top a lot of them. And, and uh, it's a dish you make with jasmine rice and just put tons of cilantro in that. It was so good. Oh, wow. I'll have to try that too. So uh, herbs are one of the best things that you can go for yourself and try and experiment with them. And for heaven's sakes, make teas out of them too, because that can be a, a nice hot drink or it can be a nice cold drink. So so how do you do that with the tea? Because I've got this stevia plant. This is, of course, the one that's a sweetener. Sure. I, I'm not really, I, I eat the leaves because they're sweet, but is there some, how would I use them? Sure. So just take your water and heat your water and then take your leaves after you've washed them and put them in a glass jar and then pour the hot water over them and let them just steep in there. Oh. And then after they've steeped in there, you know, 15 minutes or something like that, take the leaves out, either drink it hot or cold. It's very good. Put some ice cubes in with it. Oh, just delicious. Absolutely. Okay, I suppose you got a little lemon. Maybe you have a little... You oh, know. you can do that too. Yeah, lemon. Or you can use your lemon balm. Mix it right with it. Then you'll have lemon right in there. Speaking so, of lemon balm, that stuff spreads pretty good, doesn't it? Oh, it does. That's And um, nothing seems to eat that. Uh, I mean, insects don't eat it. Animals don't eat it. Just humans. So I don't know if they know something we don't know or not. But yeah, it, it's pretty, uh, it's it's nice. I, I tried putting it in flower bouquets, but it doesn't hold up well after you pick it and you put it in water. For some reason, maybe if it went in the refrigerator, it'd be okay. But otherwise, it kind of starts wilting. And don't forget the fairs are going on now. And so yes. the I know the Blue Earth County Fair is coming up at the end of the month, which is, is that next week already? Yeah. Wasika Fair is going on right now. Oh, okay, that's That's now. the free fair right now. And uh, you do have to pay to park, but um, it's a great fair. You know what? Um, when after di- my husband's cancer and he couldn't walk around, we went to that fair and I said um, at the gate, I said, do you have someone that would pick us up from the parking lot and take us down to the midway oh they said absolutely we'll call for the golf cart and you know they just drove us around that fair it was just so nice and the gentleman said when you get ready to leave just come right back where I left you off and I'll pick you up and take you right back to your car do you know that they are actually giving free rides to the fairs county fairs did you hear about that I wanted to mention that too because that's vine yeah yeah so uh, if you need a ride to the Blue Earth County Fair uh, true. Let's see. I'm making sure. Oh, that's last year's. I got to make sure I get the the current one here. There's because they were doing several fairs. I know. Uh, where is it? Yeah, they go to the uh, Lee Center to the Leeser County Fair. That's. At, I'm trying to encourage my neighbor to go there and meet Let up me with see her if, family. Yeah, hang on. So okay. Was it True Transit? Is that what they? It are? is True Transit. Yes. I'm gonna see yes. If I can find that. Yeah. So you can just check with Vine. They'll and yeah, just, Vine people will there's know it. Scheduled times. Yeah, well, they'll pick you up and they'll bring you there and then they'll bring you back home again and it's free. And, you know, you need to call ahead to, of course, make her, you know, let them know. But, yeah, call the, the Vine office and then you can get yeah. to the fair free. And we encourage you because you can see a lot of these cool produce and the yes. flowers that people do. Are you bringing some to the Blue Earth County Fair, do you think? Um, I, I, If I, you get a chance. I, 
I'll have to see. I'll okay. have to see what, what looks really great. You know, I was going to say, one of our master gardeners is going to be at the fair. Uh, she's got scheduled times for when she's going to be doing classes. Um, it's just, a, there's so much you can learn there. There's so much that's free there. So don't think of the fair as just a place where you go on rides and you eat. Uh, it's a place where you can really learn a lot. And uh, it's it's amazing. The animals, especially the chickens, the rabbits, I love that so much. Well, and the, like you said, there will be master gardeners actually at the fair to answer your questions at, I don't know where the booth is in one of those buildings. I Yes, it's yes. It's not that It's going to be warm, but here's the thing. You know, they have those wonderful, at Blue Earth County, they have those wonderful oak trees that are shading the place. You can always find a cool place to sit and have a nice lemonade or something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm hoping that the Japanese beetles and the rain and everything doesn't get my plants so that I'll have something decent to take to the fair. Yeah, that's right. It's it's kind of a shame when you have a beautiful hosta leaf and then right there where it shouldn't be, there's a hole in it already. And then you basically you're out. Yep. It's a competition. Yep. It's so. done. Yep. Got to be perfect. All right. Thanks, Barb. Appreciate hey, it. Thank you, Karen. Bye-bye. Okay, it is two minutes past 10, and you are listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio, 89.7 FM in Mankato, and KMSK, 91.3 FM in Austin, online at kmsu.org. Broadcasting from the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Big ideas and real-world thinking.